You are now listening to the Purpose Edits Podcast. You gotta be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweet to be successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game that's necessary and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Settings Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. Dr. Shane Calhoun, what's up, man? Chilling, bro. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm good, man. I'm I'm in a good place, man. New opportunities falling in my lap, and I'm not sure what to do with them, but they say when opportunity presents itself, that's a good sign that you might be doing something right. Yep. yep How about yep. you? Man, much of the same. Um, we are officially in the red uh, for COVID. What so, like... Mean? The levels, they have a level meter on the CDC, CD, CDC site where it goes green, your, you know, low cases, excuse me. Yeah. Green, yellow, medium risk, orange, high risk, red, very high risk. So we are back in the red. Um, mm-hmm. We were in red all summer and then we progressed down to green and now we're back in the red and um, we're going back to school on Monday. So, woo. <laughs> yeah so that's just where my brain is just you know get back into the swing and stuff it's gonna be weird being there because we haven't been in regular school since uh march 13th so it's gonna Mm. be it's gonna be interesting getting back and seeing everybody's in masks yeah it's definitely an adjustment like going back into uh your normal environment Mm -hmm. you know but now it's what are the adjustments uh that you had to make or have to make now to help uh, make people feel safe and not only make other people feel safe, but yourself, Yeah, you know, settling into your own comfort zone in terms of interaction. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, it's definitely weird. I guess for me though, I don't know that I ever felt like we weren't in a red once all of this stuff broke out late February. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels like this is just, it doesn't even feel like red. It just feels like this is where we are. You know, it feels like COVID is here. Um, it feels pressing and it's just, you know, it's here, you know, um, that's, that's been this year though, 2020, you know, it, it had been some, whoo, some, some challenges. I mean, from the beginning to losing Kobe, Mm -hmm. uh, we've lost, uh, quite a few civil rights leaders. We've lost some actors Mm -hmm. and actresses. We've lost some very prominent and important people. Um, you know, most recently, Black Panther, man. Yeah. We lost Black Panther and that. Yeah, my, when I got home, my wife said, uh, Chad Warwick died. I said, who? She said, Black Panther. I said, oh, oh Black Panther. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Tasha, man. Tasha, Tasha was heavily impacted. Like, I, I've seen few things really rock her like this, but it mm-hmm. rocked her to see, to see that we lost a hero, a yeah. dream, you know, um, for the community and not just not not exclusively our community but just the world man some all the of the world. roles that he played outside of the black panther you know um the jackie robinson he played 
Um, I, I think they said he was Thurgood Marshall and something yeah. else. You know, it's it's deep, man. And to think about it, you know, he got diagnosed in 2016 and yeah. had, I think he had did like five movies, like those movies from Black Panther to Marshall to 21 Bridges. Back to back. While he was yep. going through what he went through. And my wife and I, we were both like, you know, we complain about some of the stuff that we deal with on a daily. And to think that that man, mm-hmm. how he held his head high mm-hmm. and endured what he endured. I don't recall him complaining once, you know. And not only did work, did his best work. Best work. Best work. That's best that's work that's unbelievable. That's the stuff that you know you talk about somebody finding their purpose mm-hmm. and becoming addicted to it, so addicted to it that they wouldn't let their pain riddled body stop mm-hmm. them. Stop them walking in it. Nor would they let the world feel sorry for them. They just kept. Because they understood that there was a bigger purpose. They they yep. understood that what they were doing wasn't for them. It was for other people. Other people. Absolutely. You know? And that's the stuff that, you know, what we try to impress on this show, man. If this if this is your first time joining us, you know, that's that's what this show is about. This show is about impressing on people to understand that when you discover your purpose, when you're walking in your purpose, it's not for selfish gain. It's to help others Mm -hmm. to feel inspired, to feel motivated, to feel encouraged, to overcome the challenges of life because we all going to go through them, right? We all going to deal with them. So it's just a matter of how are you going to use your purpose to make this world, this community, our culture better? 100%. That's definitely what he did. You know, I, I was hoping I could steal the what blew your mind. This Go week. for it, big dog. We ready. Okay, good, good. So I'm in the middle of reading this book. And I say reading loosely because I don't like to, <laughs> to hold a hardback book and turn pages. I'm not going to lie. I get, you know, a little sleepy. I will nod off. So I got to do audio books. I recognize my learning style. I like yeah. to listen and drive. So when I'm going to work or I'm cutting the grass, I'm doing something, I can listen to my book and I can digest it. So I'm reading this book called The Gumbo Coalition. Have you ever heard of it? Gumbo Coalition, no. Gumbo Coalition was written by Mark, I believe we pronounce it, Morial. Mark Morial used to be the mayor of New Orleans from like 94 to 2002. And to kind of shed some light on what this time was, this was a time when city of new orleans police department was going through reform or needed reform because there was a lot of corruption going on and so he led a lot of the uh, coalitions and groups in bringing about change and turning new orleans around the crime Mm. rate was extremely high right Uh, Mm -hmm. he's also if i remember correctly he is the current president of the national urban league Okay. So that's who this is. This is this is a leader who has helped to bring about change throughout the community in New Orleans specifically, but also nationwide. Gotcha. He served that kind of role. Um, but he wrote this book called The Gumbo Coalition. And so I'm listening to it, and you want to talk about what blew your mind. He says this this statement. He said, Some people show no interest in others. Talent is God-given. Mm-hmm. Fame is man-given. Conceit is self-given. I was like, mm. Run that one more game. So some people show no interest in others. Talent mm-hmm. is God-given. God-given. Fame is man-given. Man-given. Conceit Seat. is self-given. Self-given, yes. Bruh. Yes, that's it there, bruh. When I tell you, 
blew my that, mind. That's it right there, bro. I'm riding to work. I stopped the car and pulled over. Yeah. It's it's six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and I pulled over thinking to myself, oh my God, how true is that? Yeah, that's that's it right there, man. And and we had a nerve to prioritize the fame that was given to us by man. Yeah, yeah. And the conceit that we give ourselves yeah. and think that we all that. That we, yeah, or we made it. We were roving, as I said in the last episode. <laughs> With you, man. And at this point, I think I, I think our audience understands your your language. You have a special language, my friend. Yeah, 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 man. That's dope. That's real dude, dope. Dude, blew my mind when I think about even for myself. I wasn't even talking or thinking about other people and the world and getting conceited. I thought about. I immediately thought about times where God gave me the talent, fame recognized the talent, so or. Um, yeah, fame got the talent recognized, yeah. and I started feeling myself, and I ended up being conceited, and yeah. hence was the start of my downfall. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's so, dope. That's dope. And it, it kind of lends itself to the conversation, especially when you think about the fame and what man gives us, and just like culture and 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 things that has been on my brain for the last two weeks, bro. Um, just the stuff that we just accept just hmm. cause culture dictate dictates. This is what it should be. This is how it is. Like today we were talking about something and, and you said the phrase, you know, when they say sometimes it's too good to be true. Mm. Why, why does it have to be not true? Cause it, could it possibly be that it is true? God is just blessing us. Like God is God. Right. So right. he could bring something to us that is actually that good. So why does it have to be too good to be true? And most of us in that moment buy into that. Like we start yeah. self-doubting. But you know why we buy into it? Because the world tells us, hey, exactly. I'm not getting that. So that must be too good, too good for you to, to be true. I've never got Again, something that good. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And if I can't get nothing that good, you can't. And when you, I mean, at the end of the day, right? We are easily influenced by our circles. Let's say, let's cut out the world. Let's just talk about the five people around you who mm -hmm. influence you the most. Mm -hmm. And it might not be malicious when they respond that way, but societal norms, that's one of them when we identify too good to be true. It's not happening for my friends. It's not happening for my mom. It's not happening for my close relatives, but yet it happened for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that that can't be. Yeah, can't be. yeah. So now, now we're self destroying an opportunity that 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 could be or has been, or you know, you know what I'm saying. That's right in front of us. Yes. Because we don't believe in the 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 power of just things happening for us because we're so influenced by perfect alignment. Like, yeah. Is a such thing as a perfect alignment? There, that where the term soulmates come from? Where where does the perfect opportunity come from? That yeah. stuff comes from something being that right and that true. And, yeah. and that was probably for me after we talked earlier where I said, that's me self-sabotage. Yeah. That's what it was. Self-sabotage. And I'm not yeah. talking about you particularly, but I couldn't remember the word. Yeah. Self-sabotage. Yeah. And we do that a lot. And some of that I believe is just so pr pr predicated on culture. Like here's another one. And I have the notes written down in my phone, like okay. the American dream. 
when you hear the American dream, like what do you think about? White picket fences and mm -hmm. house and a exactly out my head and got a job and going to work every day. Get married, get the family. When does it? When's it that American dream? When does that typically jump off and and start to happen? So you figure graduate high school, then go to college, then graduate college with a degree, yeah, get a job in your field, yeah. Yeah, and don't none of that work out because what's, what's what's really a norm is most people don't work in the field that they got their degree in. But skip all that. Like, what if you don't want that dream? You're somehow measured by this thing and this this make believe timeline of you 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 go to you go to college, you get the degree. You know, if you're really living a dream, you meet that you meet that spouse in college. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. High school out, sweethearts. High school sweethearts. You start you start your careers together. You you perfectly find the job in the same city. You have two and, kids, a boy two, and a girl, and you have the picket fence. But like, but somehow we have reached a place to whereas if you don't have, if you are not pursuing that dream, somehow you're looked at differently or somehow you're questioned like why, when, how, what, which, and it's like, yo, what if you simply, what if that's not the path that I want to take, you know? And I think so many people, and I'm talking about myself too, just get hampered and pinned down. Really. I'm talking about myself when I say this, get pinned down and hampered by other people's expectations or by the world's expectations, you know, absolutely, or, or just by what the culture dictates. Like, young man, you don't have to sleep with a bunch of women yes. and, and, and wear your pants tight, half falling off your butt. <laughs> young lady, you don't have to wear tight clothes that are provocative and, and that, that draws attention to your, your, your physical features. You also don't have to be meek and just take what people give you. It is okay to be assertive and not be considered the angry woman. Facts. And in a lot of cases, the angry black woman. The, the angry black independent woman. Yeah. You don't need nobody. It is okay. You talk about things we accept. Status quo. We yes. accept status quo. Yes. Why you, you ask people why they did or do certain things, and the response is, I don't know. It's just status quo. That's what yeah. you're supposed to That's do. That's what you're right? supposed to do. Okay. And it's like, no, my, my kids, my kids taught me this more than anything because I tried to push upon them the same traditions of you go to college. That's how you make it. That's how you get a job. And they were the ones that showed me, but this is the degree field, or this is the field that I want to go in. Look, it is clearly outlined that you don't, it even said it explicitly. I never forget. I'm sitting down with my kids and we going through this and they like, look, read. It says you don't have to have a degree. <laughs> nah, that ain't right. You got to go get the degree. What you talking about? You know, and, and, and my spirit was like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I, yeah. And then I was like, now I'm yeah. a logical individual. Yeah. I can yeah. read this. This says yeah. you don't need a degree to do this. You yeah. know what? You know what? Pick your own path. Yeah. And, and you know what? I heard something this week that I've been listening to this podcast and it is so impactful. Um, it's about financial freedom. And the name of the podcast is called Tweet Talk. But what I find is people can't find a middle road. 
it's either they're like, you have to go to college, go to college, go to college, or it's just like college does absolutely nothing for you. There has to be a middle ground. There are some professions where college is necessary. Like you're Mm -hmm. not going to become a doctor without a whole lot of schooling. Okay. You're not going to be able to become a teacher without a whole lot of schooling. The only way that you're going to be successful is if you go to college. I don't agree with that. I I, I don't agree with that. I, I actually came to another realization this week that although beneficial, the the biggest problem with college, one of the things that I noticed with people that are very quote unquote successful or that making mm-hmm. it, they have a bunch going on. Mm-hmm. Like think about how many businesses Jay-Z's got. We talk about streams of income. Think about how many businesses Jay-Z got. Think about like Nick Cannon. He owns Radio Shack. But in college, it's very specific. You focus on one thing. And the further up you go, in education, the more specific it gets. Like supposedly I'm an expert in non-traditional music ensembles in secondary schools, but because I've become an expert in that, my it's almost as if my 13 years of band teaching experience no longer counts because I'm an hmm. expert right here. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's kind of like college is almost counterproductive to way, the way wealth is actually being built. I think the system is truly designed to pigeonhole you mm-hmm. into something very specific mm-hmm. that employers, people who have the money, who have the businesses, mm-hmm. see your value only in that thing, that yes. specific thing that you've become an expert in. Because ultimately, something else that we accept and do, and it works, is putting people in their strengths. Gotcha. When you put people in their strengths, they operate very well and very efficiently, which ultimately ends up helping them to become successful. And if you are the business owner, it helps you and your business to become successful. Yeah, college teaches you or school in general teaches you how to help somebody else run their business. Exactly, right? But it also gives you a very niche that you can say, look, this is my level of expertise and I should be paid for that. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't question the status quo, as long as you don't challenge the the people at the top of, you know what, I can go create my own business and become Mm -hmm. a competitor of yours, then everybody's cool. Mm -hmm. It's when you start to question and you become competition. And that's what somebody, that's what the guy said in the podcast. He said, if you can help somebody run a business, you can run your own business. And you working for the business, once you decide to sign up for that business, you are automatically undervalued. You're not getting your worth. Because you're helping somebody else build. And again, I'm not knocking. We're not knocking. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to challenge the status quo and to help people and help ourselves. Because we're, we're, we're walking through this uh-huh. as we speak to challenge the norm and challenge their ways of thinking. Uh-huh. And that's what this is about. I, I, I often have to tell myself and tell other people if you're not working on your dream, that means you're helping somebody, somebody else build, build theirs. <laughs> that's that's what you have to think about. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm going to give all of my time, my energy, and my passion towards something, why not let it be for me and try to help as many people in that thing? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to pigeonhole myself. I'm going to recognize my strengths. Now, I will have to build a team 
to do the things that I'm not good at because we're not good at everything, mm-hmm. right? God gives us talent, but he don't mm-hmm. give us every talent. Yeah. He gives us some talents. Yeah. And so we never get to success on our own. And that's where that humility piece has to come in. As you challenge the status quo, please don't get so high up on your horse that you can't accept help and you're not willing to accept Or you're not willing to. I mean, success happens in partnerships. Another thing that I've heard today, like no man is an island and you don't you don't build wealth or any measure of success by yourself. Like as great as Michael Jordan was six championships doesn't happen without Scottie Pippen. And I'm just using that as an example. You know, Mm -hmm. you need people to run businesses Mm -hmm. and to be successful. You know, another thing people accept is that, and, and I'll use this phrase. Well, it's not my time. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the idea that you have to serve in a particular role for an amount of time before you can increase your value or your value be raised or move up in position. If, if there's anything that this generation, this young generation coming up has taught me is that if I'm qualified for it right now, why do I have to spend five years doing the role before I can be promoted? Because again, we've, we've bought into this. I did. Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God said something today. And it was one of those stop the car movements. He says, you don't get what you deserve. And what we bought into, you get what you deserve. You get what you work for. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And everything's a negotiation. Everything is a negotiation. So if you sit back and you're thinking, well, this is all I deserve, you're never going to move forward to that negotiation. It, it helps it helps people when you when you accept the idea that everything is a negotiation it helps people to one think outside the box Mm -hmm. but two assess the pros and cons not only of themselves but the situation people are able to identify their purpose and their value when they go into a negotiation because you immediately know all right i'm not going to get everything that i want but mm-hmm. I am going to get some things. And mm-hmm. they are also not going to get everything, everything that they, they want. That's the yeah. whole point of a negotiation. Yeah. We middle, come to a compromise. Yeah. Exactly. And we, to your point earlier about we operate in the middle of the road, I think life happens more in the gray than the Absolutely. black and white. Absolutely. It happens more in the gray. And although we all are aware that life operates more in the gray, sometimes we try to hang on to that hard line of life happening and everything is just black and white in terms mm-hmm. of reasoning and the justification. Yep. And it's just not true. No. It's just not that that clear. No. Yeah. So. So is it when people accept the norm? Is it is it a low standard? What I mean, how do you classify it other than, like, because how do you make this message practical? Like, yo, you're accepting the norm. Like, stop lowering your standards. But that's not necessarily, I think, the way to say it. No, I think, I think to, to make it practical, I think people have to look at the norms and the status quo as um, a way to determine what is serving as poison or toxin in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea of what a toxin is, is something that uh, sometimes intentionally or unintentionally um, will protect the the owner 
Um, it serves as a defense mechanism, right? It mm -hmm. keeps us the idea that, man, this must be too good to be true. For me, was <laughs> a defense mechanism to protect my feelings from yeah. jumping off that ledge and getting hurt. It is. It is. It, keep, it keeps me safe. It keeps me yeah. feeling safe. I can justify, hey, you know what, sweetheart? This opportunity came up, but it just seemed like it was too good to be true. So yeah. I just said no to it because I'd rather not take the chance to make sure that we're safe and we're good and that mm. you know, our, our income isn't disrupted. But what if she asked me, but what if this opportunity was meant to double or triple or quadruple our, our current income? Yeah. What if you knew that? What if you knew guaranteed this opportunity was meant to do that? Then would you jump off that ledge? Yeah. You got to feel a little unsafe in doing it, but yeah. here's the outcome. Yeah. Right. A lot of times it's fear of the unknown. I can't see what's on the other side. Other side. I can't see what's at the bottom if I jump off this ledge. Yeah. And that's a scary thought, my friend. And so when you talk about making it practical, I think the benefit of challenging the status quo, the benefit of questioning what we've always known and accepted in our lives that, that has kept us hindered and kept us stifled and in one place, the benefit outweighs the risk. Mm. See that. And gotcha. so practically, we need to do this so that we can make a more educated decision and that we can take those chances and have those life experiences to pass to generations to come. Hey, look, I took several chances jumping off the ledge and here's what I learned from it, as opposed to giving advice of, hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't take those chances. I've never done it, so I can't tell you what's going to happen if you do it, but I just think that you shouldn't. That's what's mm -hmm. practically happening. We're advising without any history or background or experience. And I know some people who get into roles that don't have no experience. We won't speak on those people, but people think that they qualify. Um, we think we're qualified and have, have zero experience in taking these steps and these challenges. That's what we practically need to do. Mm. That's good. Hey, no qualms there, brother. Here's... Here's one, a norm that we accept in business that I absolutely hate okay. and, and, and used to subscribe to until I got into the professional world. The customer is always right. So let me give you the example. In running a business, right? Mm -hmm. People subscribe often to the customer's right. And you get customers who come at you with all of these requests, requests that a lot of times are outlandish, not feasible, right? And they make a mistake and hold the business accountable as to make it right because they believe the customer's always right. And in yeah. my book, if I've done everything, I've checked all the boxes and I've done, I've met all the expectations, not only that you laid out, but what I told you I was going to do. And I'm able to, I, to show you documentation that I did those things. And we identified that you made the mistake. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're not yeah. right. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll put a disclaimer on that. The customer's always right if I make a mistake. If I make a mistake, because <laughs> I'm going to own up to it. Because I'm going to own up to it. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yo, one of my biggest things once lost in this T-shirt business, especially due to the fact that we're making them in-house, is that I would be so paranoid about making a mistake on a shirt and then somebody noticing it. And instead of coming and talking to me about it, they would blast me out on social media. So the customer is always right if 
I made a mistake. But if I know that I dotted my T's, I crossed my I's, and the problem you bringing in me, I didn't do it. I, I can't honor that, partner. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't honor that. I can't honor that. You know, another norm is when you go to JC Penney's, right? You see a black dress, you see a red dress. You don't go to the back and say, Hey, is there a blue dress back there somewhere? So it's like when people are dealing with independent businesses, they, they, they somehow believe that the independent businesses should cater to exactly what they need instead of running as an independent business. Yeah. Like, why do, we, why do we expect more of individuals running business than we do the corporations? Or why do we hold individual rolling businesses to fires we won't hold big corporations to? I think, I think here's why. When you think about big corporations or a chain, you think that the people who could bring about the change at my, my small local level are so far removed, they don't care, and they're making so much money, it don't matter. My dollars don't matter to them. But I know that if this local business, this small business, has me to, to write a complaint and blast them on, mm. it could really damage their whole business, right? My, my dollar to them matters that much more because they small and they need me. It's, it, listen, life sales business is about leverage. Yeah. Flat out. It's about leverage. And if you can identify what your leverage is in these various interactions, this, this operating in the gray, you will have the upper hand. So customers, people will test the water. But here's something that I learned to counter that long time ago. People only get away with what you let them get away with. Mm. That's in life and in business. And it goes back to what you accept, what you go along with. Exactly. So yeah. if I don't let you get away with that BS. You can't do it. You, you can't, can't do it. You can't do it. If, can't I don't, do it. if I don't quote unquote accept it, it ain't, it ain't going to fly. That's good. That's just the way that works. So yeah, you, it, it, you know, my wife, she'll say with, with our business, you know, you, you get these what if scenarios, right? And we do that. We, we uh, oftentimes will create these scenarios that haven't happened that cause us to panic and operate in, from a place of fear. But mm -hmm. what if the customer wants this item and we don't have it? Well, then we just don't have we it. Just I guess we're it. not the business for them. Please go find a different vendor. You know, that's just the reality of it. And it's not to be conceited or arrogant about it is here's here's my audience here's who my target audience is and if i don't have your style then obviously you're not my target audience and mm -hmm. i'm not your supplier i'm not your vendor there is someone for you though yeah i'm just, just not just it. not it yeah 100 percent. and you got to find the right tact in saying that to people um and it's always about how you say it, not what you say. I'm a big proponent in that. What? How you say? How you say things. Yeah. I believe that's like my love language or something, unfortunately. What you mean? <laughs> like, like I, I'm really set off by the way things are said to me. Like, I mean, I'm really really put off by by the way things are said to me at times. I, I'm really working on it. Just hey, you know what? You know immediately what I what that that takes me to dealing with you, and I didn't say it, but we was in high school, and I don't remember what the scenario was, who the people was involved. 
but somebody said something and your reaction was, and you still do this to this day, what you mean, cuz? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like that whole tone how you said it, the whole whole scene flipped. Yeah, like, like, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, like what you mean, cuz? Yeah. What you mean, <laughs> yep. uh Oh. Uh -uh. That that's me. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of truth to that, right? Just take mm -hmm. the phrase. I'm fine. Just those simple words on the surface su suggest that somebody's okay, but you change the emotion to I'm fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That changes the whole way, whole idea of what that those two words two are words really mean. saying. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's that's what I think people have to take into consideration in our daily interactions. I think a lot of this unrest that's happening in in the country. I think has a lot to do with how people are saying it. Yes, what you say matters. And, and the whole, I have to use the example, Black Lives Matter, and people respond with all lives matter, right? So what they're saying does have a lot of context that is offensive. But I think depending on who it is that is saying it to you and how they say, say it, it yeah. will determine how you receive it. That's really true. and truly. That's and I true. think that that we would have better interactions as people, not just a black and white thing, but as people, if we were more cognizant of the way we said things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I don't disagree at all. You ever had somebody respond to you like, what you mean, cuz? Of course. And I'm responding back, what you mean, cuz? <laughs> we, we could do this all day. You know, we we could do this, you know, we could do this. Um we could do this all day. All right, so this this was this was on my mind, right? We talk about what we accept and what the culture says we should do. And there's this idea about competition. Okay. What comes to mind is I do believe competition breeds success. And society says you should compete. That's how you get ahead. Capitalism, mm -hmm. I'm doing mm -hmm. better than the next man. But at what point does comparison become toxic as opposed to beneficial? Um, there's definitely a line. Um, I think the comparison becomes toxic when it becomes, and, and it goes back to just like that American dream. I have to do this by then. And I think the comparison becomes toxic if it creates a feeling of not good enough, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I got to get there. Those, those are just two different conversations. Like, I must not be good enough because I'm 35 and I don't have a house yet. I must not be good enough because I'm 28 and I'm still working on a bachelor's degree. Like, why? Like life happens, things happen, you know, S happens, S word happens, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, why, mm -hmm. why the negative connotation? So I think anytime it becomes when that, that comp competition becomes a, a weight, so to speak, or a negative perspective of self, then it, it's too much. You know, the phrase that comes to mind as I, as I heard you talk, keeping with, up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up yeah. with the Joneses. Keeping up with the 100%. Joneses is when and, and, toxic, when comparison becomes toxic. I, I got you. And and and, and the, here's the thing with the American dream: picket house, kids, child, all that other stuff. It's not that I don't want it. It's just that 
right now my dreams are goal are bigger than that dream that you guys have mm. given me. Mm. That's mm. that's just that's just it. And there was oh there was something in that. What I envision in my head is closer to my heart than that dream you gave me. Doesn't mean I don't want it. Doesn't mean I can't get it. It doesn't mean I won't have it. It just means at this point in time, at this particular day and time, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not. Try- I am not trying to keep up with the Joneses whatsoever. And for for many people, that is the goal. The that is the goal. Keep up with the Joneses, but yeah. who gave us that? Right? Somebody else gave us that. You need to yeah. keep up with the Joneses. Somebody, yes, yes, we got that. That we got that at the crib growing up. I, I say this before, social media killing folk, bro. Mm-hmm. Left and right. Left and right. Killing folk, man. I just, competition is good. Comparison is not. Mm, and that's excellent. the fine line that you, you probably, many of us have to draw and have to use to evaluate where we are. Ex- excellent. Excellent. Man, take us out. So, for the quote this week, it's a little something different. And this hit me after we spoke. I walked out, we spoke, and then I walked out my band room and a, a rap lyric came to me. And when it came to me, it was two lines, but then I started running through the, the lyrics and it was so powerful. There's one line in particular that we're going to focus on, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And right. I just happen to believe it's brilliant. So the rap lyric is, the chain remains, the game is intact. The name is mine, I'll take blame for that. The pressure's on, but guess who ain't going crack? Pardon me, I had to laugh at that. Now, that part of the lyric, to me, was like, Jay-Z, this is from Diamonds Are Forever, was talking to the doubters. But then, like, this part is when he begins to, it almost feels as though he's, like, talking to himself. So, The next part, he says, how could you falter when you're the rock of Gibraltar? I had to get off the boat so I can walk on water. This ain't a tall order. This is nothing for me. Difficult takes a day. Impossible takes a week. I do this in my sleep. I sold kilos of Coke. I'm guessing I can sell CDs. I'm not a businessman. I'm a a businessman. Man, let me handle my business. Damn. Now, Blew my mind, but the the line that that stuck with me was, I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water. Mm. I had to get off that boat so I can walk on water. So we talking about, when we talking about jumping off the ledge and all that stuff, some of us is sitting on a boat and we're confined to this boat because society's telling us this, that, 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 that. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. But, yo, there's some water out there, man. There's some water that you're supposed to be walking on, brother. Mm, he was made to walk on it, walk man. On. He was made to walk in greatness. Ooh. Yeah, so, man, man. when I say that, it that, that whole thing, like, the whole line where he said, uh, difficult takes a day, impossible takes, impossible a, week. takes a week. I figured that out today. I didn't know what he was talking about. And I don't know what I was saying before. <laughs> You know what? I think it's, as you were going through it, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, man, so that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I thought the line was five or four, but now. Yeah, like when you break it down like that. 
Like, How yo, can you falter when you're the rocket rocket Gibraltar. I had to get off the boat so I can walk on water. That, oh. yeah, really. man, yeah, man. We 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 all sitting. We either all were or still are sitting in the boat waiting to walk on water. Yep, yes, sir. Waiting to walk in our greatness. Hey, man. As always, we appreciate you rocking with us, man. Go, go get out of that boat, man. Go, go find your greatness. Go walk in it, man. Shine bright like a diamond. As always, shoot us some feedback. Subscribe to the uh, show. Tell a friend about us. Give us a rating on one of the, the podcast platforms. We love you. And as always, go live life on purpose. We out.